When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to TNF In Session. I am recording live, and uh, this is a podcast. This is a video feed. It's everything that you need, and this is exclusive to... Oh, yeah. It is exclusive to all of my uh, top-tier Patreon supporters uh, and uh, some other uh, tiers. I have the TNF boardroom, which is my producer levels, and then I have some uh, wonderful other people in here right now uh, watching me. I am streaming uh, to a uh, unlisted private uh, video feed. Uh, I am uh, communicating uh, to <laughs> several people at once on several different uh, internet Tabs. I have a lot of tabs generally on my uh, screens uh, at home, and uh, it's uh, it's kind of uh, if you sound if it sounds like I'm slightly confused, it's because I'm doing all things at once. I have no I have no one in the booth. I'm recording this podcast here, uh, having some fun, and we are uh, having a blast. And I want to thank uh, some people who help this possible, uh, help make this possible with some uh, cool new stuff here uh, through StreamYard. I've got uh, an opening graphic by Corey Morissette and John Mariano. They commissioned that. Corey did some great work. I've got some uh, overlays here from our our friend Tim Van Newland. And uh, more things popping in here. And I can uh, bring stuff up uh, as we go along. Like, I can can do this. Django's got a mangoes here. And he says, hey, is this where all the cool kids are at? Yeah. If you're watching on video, that just popped up on the screen. Uh, Jack Call says, huzzah. We are all here having a lot of fun. And I've got people in the chat room like, Pete, Rich, Tamor, and Alice. Jack, like we mentioned, we have got uh, Lauren Romo from the Galactic Podcast. I, I saw Jason Humphreys up there. Tim Van Nuen is in here. I got an aim. That's old handsaw. And Tommy Terry Green, another supporter in here. These are all my Patreon supporters. Luke's in here as well. Mil- Will McLean, uh, just going up the list here. As uh, Kyle Harlow's here checking in. Count Druku, a lot of wonderful names uh, in here. And it has been uh, a lot of uh, fun in the new year getting some wonderful new people coming into the patreon page i want to thank everyone uh for that um post another job switch uh or change in some of my employment uh you guys uh, a lot of new people rushed over a lot of people returned uh up their support and as i talk often on my patreon page that means the world to me because it's not just um, it's not just a financial investment from you. It is this emotional investment. That's why we have the boardroom broadcast uh, monthly where I go in and just have like a business meeting. Now we do it live through Throne. Uh, now we do a business meeting where I actually get to hear directly from people uh, who are, have invested in me, invested in this brand, and that's why it means so much to me. So uh, I am uh, the, the basis of TNF in session is I take some questions from my Patreon page, and then we take some live questions, and then if possible, if it's worked out, if all my tech's going here, uh, I, I'll be able to take some uh, phone calls from some of the nice people there in the chat room there. And, and like I said, it's it's been a 
it's been fun uh, getting in, uh, getting in, uh, getting myself up and going with some new tech. Uh, that's uh, sometimes hard for old dogs like us, uh, you know. And uh, it's 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 uh, we have to learn new tricks. That's all I'll say. New tricks, old dogs. You get it. You get it from there. So first question up today here on TNF in session. It's the ninth edition of this. And this is the biggest one yet. I'm going to start with Pete Rich. Pete asks, uh, what is one of your favorite meals that you enjoy making at home, either made by you or your wonderful other half? Pete talking there uh, about um, Pete talking about uh, grace. Uh, and here's the, here's the thing. I take most of the cooking duties in the house with honor and with pleasure. Uh, I think if she wanted to, she'd be a great uh, cook. Uh, she doesn't want to. It's not in her interest, and I love doing it. But I'm not great at it. I don't have I don't have a lot of secret recipes. I don't have family recipes. Uh, my mom never enjoyed cooking. My dad does, but he hasn't shared. He has great salsa. He makes great salsa. Hasn't shared with me. I got to figure that out. Dad, if you're listening, maybe it's time to pass down. <laughs> maybe it's time to pass that down. So uh, I... Uh, I do enjoy, I make a, what I think is a pretty good steak. I think I make a pretty good quesadilla, like a, like a supersized jumbo top, everything top, everything's topped uh, in there, steak and, and salsa and all those kind of things. And uh, I think I do a pretty good job with that. You'd have to ask Grace. A breakfast food, I, I taught myself how to do an omelet. I think I'm a pretty good breakfast cook. It's the easiest stuff. I think that's where you can start, the breakfast stuff. I don't know if anyone out there in chat has... Uh, has any uh, recipes they want to share with me right now? Uh, Pete Rich is in. Uh, Pete Rich is adding, saying, "Hey, good thing I ate right before this." Pete, that's a uh, that's a very good that's a very good idea. We often, if you if you follow me on Twitch, we often go straight to food talk uh, while we're uh, while we're playing video games. It happens a lot. So, Pete, great question to start us off there. Uh, I'm gonna I'm learn. I'm learning. I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna learn more uh, of uh, of. Um, recipes and, and you know it's just it's cheaper it's better it's healthier all those kind of things uh, andy ortiz has a question here we're going on to patreon uh says with baseball being a self-policing sport i expect a lot of bean balls thrown at the astros batters in the 2020 season how do you think umpires and mlb will handle the situation next season expect a lot of terry collins uh, terry collins type reaction so andy always has great baseball questions uh and he he is uh, uh, not wrong. Baseball polices itself. Big cheating scandal for those who don't keep up with the sign-stealing scandal with the Astros, Red Sox. I, I'm convinced there's more teams out there. Whether or not we hear that or not, we'll, we'll figure that out. Uh, but, um, you, know, we'll, uh, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. I, uh, yeah, baseball, baseball works that way. Uh, baseball works that way a lot. Uh, you, get, uh, you do something wrong the next time up, you might get, uh, get a little baseball in your back. And I like that. I like that. This, though, seems to go, this has gone well beyond it. We've been talking about it on the Behind the Bag podcast, me and Tom Dagnino, been writing about it over on Flag Sports. It's bigger. Baseball celebrates cheating. It's built into the history of the game. And I think a lot of people are confusing what's going on with the Astros with, say, Pete Rose or the Black Sox scandal. A little bit different, particularly the Black Sox scandal was was really, really different. Um uh, it was it was not just one incident. It was it was it was a culmination of years of of gambling just being straight out involved with baseball, uh, and it was just a, the game needed cleaning up, and that was kind of why it was so stringent there. Uh, very very different than what the Astros did in my mind. But also the end result is the game's been tainted. The public image of the game's been tainted. I don't know if you can correct that on the field, Andy. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Django has got a in the chat room. Adding said, "Hey, should ask his brother. He's an umpire." Well, Django, get an answer. 
Get an answer. Lauren agrees. It's a great baseball question. And going back to the breakfast thing here, uh, I got an A in this old hand saw to you and me. Uh, he says, I'm on my third bowl of frosted, frosted Flakes. And Taymor uh, saying breakfast for dinner is great. And those watching on the live stream, Taymor's profile picture is money. It's just money. It is a better photo than I have of me and I, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to, I'm, I'm supposed to have good photos for entertainment purposes, headshots and whatnot. I, I have like selfies. That's what I send to people if they want to, Hey, can I get a headshot? I'll hear click Tamor's picture in his YouTube profile that I'm looking right now on the screen. Straight money fire. Uh, a lot of people. Yeah. Breakfast for dinner. I don't know what makes breakfast food so nice for dinner. I really don't. I think it's because we feel as though we're getting away with something. I, I feel as though we're, we're cheating. You know, we're not supposed to do it. So, you know, that's why. Very deep. I'm pontificating about breakfast food. Luke's got to follow. What's my favorite kind of salsa? I like chunky salsa, fresh salsa, a lot of cilantro. I'll go with like a saucier salsa. I can do that. Um, but I, I do. I like the chunky stuff. I like it falling off my chip, and I put a lot on the chip. If I have chips and salsa, I mean, you can hear the passion in my voice. If I have chips and salsa, like, it ends up on my shirt every time. It's just thing. Jago got a mango. He's back in there saying Verde, Verde sauce, salsa. I, I know how to say that. Jack Cole talking about breakfast is saying one of the perks of Portland, living in Portland, is there are many places that serve breakfast all day. Yeah, that's why I like diners. That's why I like diners. It's 2 a.m. You want an omelet? Great. 6 p.m. You want an omelet? Eggs, bacon, toast? They got it for you. That's why I like doing that. Diners. I, I'm finding more and more people love diners. Just old crappy rundown diners and i'm i'm really buoyed by that i have faith in humanity when i meet another person who's like oh gosh crappy diners i'm i'm there 24 hours a waitress that's been there since the 50s sign me up it just you know you know it's a good thing uh we are getting some yeah luke says luke supports me says if it ends up on your clothes you know it was great i i, I agree with that um tamor's talking about the behind the bag podcast yeah we, we're gonna interview our uh friend john kaiser soon on the behind the bag podcast and his dad was a very famous umpire ken kaiser uh, since passed away unfortunately but uh john's got some great stories keeping and protecting his father's legacy so we're gonna do that let's go to some more prepared questions here uh we have uh, got uh, some good questions coming here uh, jason humphreys the hump over in uk Yes. Hey, what makes you laugh when you craft your comedy? Does your personal preferences shape the output or do you rely on experience and produce something you might not think is funny, but you know, the audience will. I tell myself I like cerebral, cerebral humor, but nothing beats seeing someone hit in the nuts. Hump. That's a great question. Great question. How do I put together comedy? Whether it's, it's different for forms. My sketch comedy, all, all my comedy is very personal. My sketch comedy was, is, had a kind of a heart to it at times. A sweet sentimental comedy when i was at the groundlings i wrote a lot of sketches that had laughs in it but it was character-based stuff that kind of ended with oh i had one one sketch it never made it to show because the guy i wrote it with he had to quit the quit the class before we got to perform but we wrote one it was like our we worked like at a theme park and we were like say like a pirates of the caribbean or something so we're on opposite sides of like a, a fake river and we were pressing buttons to send boats on and the sketch starts and then it's like these two guys they're friends they're sitting there and then all of a sudden like um I start singing because it's my last day uh, at that ride and my friends being uh, or, or, or he he's lamenting that, you know, I'm going and it's like he wants to transfer and we're so close that it's it was just like 
kind of romantic ballad song about two dudes that worked at a theme park ride. And uh, just, like we had this, when will my transfer come? When will? We had this whole musical number prepared for the sketch. And it was going to be one of my favorite things. So I'll do sketches like that. But stand-up comedy is a little different. So, you know, some some smarter humor. Yeah, I like some, I like jokes about myself. I'll say this. I like jokes about me kicking myself in the balls that you have to think about. <laughs> that is, that's what I'll uh, say is, is my comedy is about. And in, in, in uh, chat room, Tommy Terry Green's asking this. Uh, I, 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 I guess I can just call you Tommy, but Tommy Terry Green is like one of my favorite names. It's like some kind of character in one of Taymor's movies with his headshot there. Uh, what is the singular, Tommy asks, what's the singular creation you're most proud of? Is it a particular sketch, a single joke, a character, a podcast? Uh, there, a lot of things. I, I have uh, some stuff going on in my set list right now that I'm really proud of, um, uh, how I end my set. Uh, I don't want to give it away for those who might be seeing it, uh, especially if they're joining us, uh, say, in Las Vegas in March, me and Mark Ellis, uh, you know, uh, I'm heading there uh, to do some comedy. So I don't want to step on the joke. Some of you in the chat room have actually heard uh, the joke, how I end. It's the story of my long-held virginity, losing it, and I tie it all into Star Wars, and I'm pretty proud of that right now. But back in the day, I had some bits I liked that I would, I would keep in the set a lot. Uh, I, I like that sketch-wise, uh, the sketch I just talked about I liked. There was uh, uh, some sketches that did make it in a show. Uh, there was one sketch that never made it into a show that I wrote long before I started my final uh, session of training at the Groundlings. And, but I put it up the first day of class with a, a guy named Mikey Day, who's on SNL now. And uh, I just turned to him. I didn't know him. We were, the young, we were the two like youngest guys in the class. And I was just like, hey, man, like, you want to do this sketch with me? And he's like, yeah. So we, you, know, you sit there on paper and read. It was like two guys uh, like in the Midwest in the ice and one falls through and he almost dies. And, uh, the other one has like, uh, and, uh, you know, gets all waxes poetic about his life and, and saves his friend. And, and, and the end result is the other guy falls in and, 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 um, the guy that saves him, I should say, I'm missing, I'm missing my own joke. Uh, it's the guy that saves him ends up falling in and dies. Uh, the sketch ended with one of the guys dying and the other guy walking away because he's been changed and he's had this life experience. He wants to go help everybody and he leaves his friend to die. Uh, that was really funny. Um, I'm explaining it horribly. But Mikey and I did a great job in it. And we almost made it to show. I would have had tape of that. Uh, but there's a, there's a lot of things. Um, uh, there's a great sketch me and Brian Keith Etheridge wrote uh, that's a little clip of it's on my YouTube channel where I'm asleep and he's my roommate and then he goes, he secretly goes in and watches me sleep every night while playing the Dido song. I like to watch you sleep at night. And I keep waking up and he keeps rushing in and pretending like he didn't do it. Um, and uh, we wrote that sketch in three minutes and we were sitting there. And that's how a lot of sketches come together. We were sitting there on the couch at Brian's house. And uh, Brian, I think he's, what's the show called? The Ranch now, uh, Mike and Molly, he's, he's written a lot of shows. Um, so great, uh, great, great friend I haven't talked to in years. But uh, we, so we were just, we couldn't come up with a sketch. We're working at his house for like an hour. Couldn't do it, couldn't do it. And all of a sudden he, this, <laughs> he just turns to me and goes, You're, you know that Dido song? I go, yeah. He goes, what if I just watched you sleep at night? And that was the sketch. Three minutes later, we wrote it. It was great. Uh, one of my favorite things. So there's that kind of thing. Tommy, great question there. Uh, uh, Jack Cole says, uh, what, what are some of my personal favorite stand-ups that have been inspired by? Brian Regan, uh, Dennis Miller, Steve Martin, 
a lot of my contemporaries used to love watching all the time. That includes Mark Ellis, Christian Harloff, Jamie Kaler, uh, Lou Santini, my friend Chip Dornell, my friend Mike Beatrice. Uh, I, I love uh, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, the, the watching them, uh, uh, Kate Mulligan. A lot of you are getting to know Kate Mulligan now. Uh, I remember doing stand up with Kate back in '07 and '08. She was one of the bravest performers I'd see on stage all the time. That kind of inspired you. That kind of stuff. Uh, to watch Mark Ellis really dig in and go from hey funny guy trying to find his way on stage to just being this powerhouse comic. Uh, you should check out his special dog stepfather. Honored to be a part of it. Uh, a lot of things like that. But yeah, and, and it, it's it's Steve Martin's my biggest comedic influence, along with people like you know Mon- the Monty Python uh, cast, uh, Kids in the Hall, Saturday Night Live. Um, Kyle Harlow's asking uh, what are my favorite SNL characters. I like over the top ones, like crazy ones. Um, Oh, yeah, Tamer was saying, hey, we get the afternoon's tapestry up. I'm distracting myself with your wonderful comments out there. Um, yeah, it's all over the board. SNL, I, I, Dan Aykroyd's my favorite SNL cast member, but Dan Carvey, Mike Myers. Wayne's World might be my favorite SNL sketch just because what it inspired uh, in me. So that's a, that's a good one there. But I, I love talking comedy. But uh, I was going to say, uh, it's not popular, but I, I, I it, Bill Cosby... Watching Bill Cosby himself when I was like seven or eight, nine maybe, I can't remember, or when I finally saw it, my parents uh, were watching it, and, they, and I, they let me watch it. I was like, I was young, I was like eight or nine, and I fell off the couch laughing. That's all I remember. I think it was his, the dentist bit with the, the lips going numb and everything. And that, you know, t- I know where it ends up, and I'm not, I'm not, this isn't me supporting Bill Cosby, but it's just the reality of the situation. Like, that got me into the idea of I want to make people laugh. I want to make people fall off the couch laughing. I don't know if I've ever done that, but, you know, it's worth a shot. Uh, thanks, everyone, in chat. I know um, it looks like I might be having some streaming is- issues. Uh, it, says my, it says I have an excellent connection, but I know, uh, at least on this little thing I'm watching, it looks a little pixelated. I don't know. We're figuring that all out. Burbank Internet, historically bad, historically frustrating. Uh, great question, Jason. Got me down a lot of little paths. So uh, we are going to go to uh, another prepared question here from Box Office Jack. And he says this, uh, hey, while you've stated you've never been a tabletop gamer, would you ever consider partaking in a filmed Star Wars RPG show, role-playing game show, like what uh, they got Gighead, Gig, Gighead, I don't know that, Hyper, and Hyper RPG, and Geek and Sundry. If you've ever played a Star Wars RPG, what kind of character would you create? And what era would you want to play in? So I've done one once. I did a one shot over there at, uh, and Tim's got to go. All right, Tim Van Newland's got to go. Everyone say goodbye to Tim. He's got a good profile shot too. Look at he's traveling the world in his profile shot. See if you're listening here on podcast, join, get in the Patreon, join, and you can get all this uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, headshot worthy uh, YouTube profile shots. Um, so uh, yeah, the the uh, the Star Wars role playing game, I. I did um, I did uh, uh, play one for Geek and Sundry, and no, not Geek and Sundry. It's a hyper RPG. So many, they're all the same. <laughs> they're all the same sometimes. Uh, I did watch uh, one. Uh, I did play one one shot uh, over there for that. Uh, it was you know Hector Navarro, Emma Fife, uh, Burt Jennings, and Joe Starr did the pencils and parsecs one. They did they did a one shot. And I uh, joined in on that one and had um, a lot of fun. I, I played like a clone trooper and it was a good time. Um, uh, it was the only time I did it. So I, it's not something, it takes a lot of energy. It takes some, Grace just did one over there for Hyper RPG 
uh, with Joe Star uh, DMing. That was um, uh, GM and DM and Dungeon Master, Game Master, whatever it is. That was really, I watched it, you know, but it goes like three, four hours. And that's, uh, so I don't know if I'd commit to that. But if I were to, to the question of if, uh, I, I think I would, prequel era just allows to have more interesting characters to me that can function normally in the galaxy. So you don't have to be Jedi, Sith, bounty hunter, smuggler. You could be shopkeeper. You could be a restaurant owner. You could be a clone trooper. You could be in government. The galaxy is more functioning. So that's where I'd go with that. So who knows? Maybe one day I will. Um, We got some live questions coming in here. Uh, Tommy Tara Green says, what three cities that I've never visited but would love to? Uh, I finally gotten around these great United States, but I'd love to get to London. Rome might be good. And, you know, I'll throw one in the States, never been to Miami. And I'm a Miami Dolphin fan. Never been to Miami. So I'll, I'll go weather the humidity and go maybe catch a Dolphin game down there once in my life. So uh, that'll be good. Yeah, Jack calls adding to the Star Wars conversation, Dexter Jetster. That's exactly who I'd, I'd just be his cousin who works the night shift at Dexter's uh, Diner. So, uh, yeah, Tommy's out there in London. I am. Uh, I got to get my passport uh, worked on, though. Got some... Got some paperwork here. Finally got some stuff. Django. Django's got a mango. Simply says, Miami is hot. That it is. That it is. All right. Uh, we've got a couple more questions prepared. And then uh, we'll, we'll take some more live questions. Then maybe a phone call or two if we can get that to work. Though the way my internet's going, the way the pixelation is going on the screen right now for those watching. Wow. I apologize for that. That does not look great. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Jeff Wood, the overhead wire. Uh, I don't know if, I, I think that's, is that a, a direct reference to that great Kirby enthusiasm episode from, from season one? Maybe it is. He says, how do you conduct interviews? Do I have notes? Do I research ahead of time? What's your preparation like? I'm sad to report. I don't do a lot of prep. Uh, I don't do a lot of prep. If it's say recently, recently, uh, Phil Svitek came in and Alex Marzonia came in on the Napsuck Files. Great interviews. I just know them enough, but I don't know everything about them. So I just have the conversation flow naturally. On Napsuck Files, it's a little different. Now, if I was, you know, uh, hearkening back to some of the interviews I've done on, say, Collider Jedi Council back in the day, Jen Murrow came in uh, and um, wrote Forces of Destiny. So I had some questions prepared for that. And, you know, when she's representing Lucasfilm at that moment, she can't answer everything. So uh, research is important. Knowing where you're going at the outset is fine. But in podcasts, it's a little different. I think think you can just kind of open-end it. You can be open form. I don't, uh, I just, for my radio days back then, for better or worse, I just hit the ground running. Just have a conversation, but always... Keep entertainment in mind. So that's what I try to do. I probably fail a lot, Jeff, but I do love interviewing. But I say like, I don't like interviewing like celebrities. I used to get over on Collider. They'd be like, hey, you want to come in, you know, for Collider Live? We got so-and-so coming in here. And I'd be like, yeah, I love, you know, and I love them. Uh, I love that person. They're great. Like there's like three or four I definitely would do. Uh, other than that, I'm good. I'll watch. I, I, I'm not into uh, just running through someone I don't know's life. Uh, the Napsack Files was conceived in 2013. It's just, let me, I think I have an amazing amount of cool people in my life in this industry and outside this industry. Let me share them with uh, my small world. And 
And that's kind of what I do. A couple more questions here. We got some good ones here. All right. Uh, Evan Osborne Lomax. That's a, that's a great villain name. Evan always has some great questions. Uh, Ken, this week I'll be changing career paths, going into a field of work I have very little experience in. You seem to reinvent yourself in multiple professions. What are those transitions like for you professionally and personally? Thanks, and you're the best. Oh, Evan, I'm all right. I'm not the best. Uh, I am not the best. But uh, I'll tell you this. What I do... Uh, I, You know, my, my mother was a good influence in this regard. My mother has had several different careers, at first, she was a stay-at-home mom. This is, you know, late 70s, early 80s. It's kind of was a thing. But, you know, money got tight after we moved up to the Central Coast. So she ended up getting a part-time job at our um, uh, our church down the street. And so she was, you know, part-time kind of secretary mom. And then we got older. And then she was like, uh, yeah, like 40. She went back to school and learned some new stuff and got a degree. And then became an activities director for retirement homes. Then be, ended up running activities for like three uh, retirement homes at once, uh, different levels of needs for the, the residents. And then uh, got her certification in uh, teaching aerobics and exercises and weightlifting, weight training for elderly uh, seniors and everything. And she she went to that. So she's changed a lot. My dad was one of those, had a great 45-year career as an engineer and and that was that. So both work. I think there's some staying power. I was at a job for 17 years, which was a good sign. It wasn't always fun for me and I wanted out, but staying is, is sometimes a good thing, but not, not being afraid. What I learned from my mother is not being afraid, afraid to redefine yourself. And so Evan, uh, to that question, I mean, you're, you're doing it. You are, you are changing and it's exciting. We just had a, an interview on the Saturday night special, uh, episode of knapsack files with our friend, Jeff Saunders scribbler, um, he kind of in the same field, but he had a, he was inspired to make a, a, a change. And I think not locking yourself in there is, again, there's a, there's a, there's sometimes when you, you're going to dig in, you're going to succeed and, and hit your goals. And then if you're starting to feel and look around, like, Hey, maybe it's time to move on, do it, do it. Uh, I, I think it's exciting. And there's no, there's no cap on that. You know, go back to school when you're 90 Write a write a screenplay when you're seventy. Uh, you know, pick up guitar. I, I who knows? Maybe I'll still do that. I tried. I failed my early twenties to learn guitar. Maybe I get my pal Van William to teach me. So Evan, I think I think you're doing the right thing. Whatever whatever the reason too, if it, it's force change, do it. Uh, and I'm out here in an industry where a lot of us get locked into. We need to be on camera. Or we need to be on mic. And we do. We got to be in the industry. In the industry. And. I'm challenging myself and my friend, Roger Craig Smith, I don't want to speak for him, but he's been challenging. He's got a great voiceover career and it's not stopping, but he's like, at one point it will. So he's learning other things, taking classes to better himself. Here is one of the, you know, he's Sonic the Hedgehog. He's Ezio in, in Assassin's Creed and he's like in Burbank night classes, learning sign language and stuff. And that's been inspiring to watch. And he's, he's taught himself to be a photographer of uh, like, uh, you know, stars and galaxies and space and comets. And, and he's become an expert in that field. And he taught himself that because he's, you know, I won't have it. I was always fascinated by the late great Andy Coffin, who's an odd bird, no doubt. But while he was on taxi, one of the most popular shows in the early eighties, it's a true story. He had a job he had a job down at uh, Jerry's Deli on, on Ventura Boulevard in uh, was Encino or Sherman Oaks there, Studio City, the Studio City location. He was a busboy, one of the biggest stars in the world playing Latka and Taxi, legitimately had a job as a busboy. And he was like, I'm just a guy, and I don't know, a taxi could go, and i got to have some skills. And that's Andy kind of Andy being weird. Um, 
as Andy kind of being his weird genius self, but I, I, I grew up reading that story. So for me, one of the things I, you know, I'm challenging myself, Evan, I, I am um, going to be soon, hopefully I'm locking down. I got to go do like a little audition process, but I'm going to be teaching podcasting to uh, kids like teens in the LA library system. You know, not doing it for money. You know, there's a little money to it. You know, I need a little money, but I'm going to go try that. It's in my field, right? But it's, there's no, there's no glory in that one. Just a lot of fun and something different. And who knows what that leads to? Who knows what that inspires you to do? I think that's something I'm constantly interested, especially the older I get, but I'm, 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 I'm digging in on my career. I'm doing some great things. Uh, I'm writing. I've got a cool project. Hopefully to can announce soon working on some other things, but I see a lot of people in our industry too. And this isn't just me speaking to our industry, but like, again, I lost my collider job twice. Other people lost their jobs. And so we, ah, oh, there's nothing for me. Yeah. There might be nothing for you in the producing digital media realm. You have to wait and find out. And, and there might be a time to gamble on yourself. I, I felt I kind of gambled on myself after I got cut from Collider in 2018. And I think it's so far working, but at some point I had to consider, do I look, do I, do I get over an ego thing and look outside of what I think I deserve? And I, unfortunately I, I see, I see some, you know, I see some of it sometimes, you know, uh, locking people, locking themselves into the career at their own detriment when you can always come back to it. When I left my security director job, I was, I was almost promoted to regional, which would have been like a $30,000 a year promotion. I turned that down to take the screen junkies job. But one of the reasons is like my friend who's since passed away, detective, LAPD detective, he's like, you, you can come back. You can always come back. You didn't, you, know, move, you didn't move to LA to be a security director, but you did, you did a great career, 17 years. You're very good at it. Clearly, they're trying to reward you with a job promotion because they, they value you. You can come back. Maybe not to that job, but you can always go back. You can always try something else, but you got this opportunity and you got to jump on it. So, uh, Evan... Evan Osborne Lomax with your great villain name. It sounds like you're chasing down James Bond in the snow, or at least your thugs are. Uh, good luck with your changing group pass. I, I think you're going to do just fine. Uh, we have got two more questions here, then we'll go to some uh, live questions. Tamor writes in, he says, hey, can't hope you and your house are doing well. Been going through a rough time with the project I'm working on to a point where I was at a crossroads if I should give up or power through. Listen to your perspectives on life and your podcast, plus the love support I got from our community, family, and my own family really helped shape my decision that it will power through this project to the end. And that's Tamor. That's great to hear. Like I said, sometimes you got to, Kenny Rogers will tell you, you got to know when to fold them. Got to know when to hold them. Sounds like, you know, you right now, you got to hold your, you got to hold your cards and keep playing. The game's not over for you, and that's that's powerful there. He says, have you ever been in a work situation that frustrated and overwhelmed you to such a point that you were obligated to see it through but also wanted to give up at the same time? I appreciate any advice you can give or share a similar experience. Uh, for me, it might be – look, I'm not on, I'm not on solid ground right now. Uh, I'm, I'm live streaming in, a, in my studio with my pixelated, uh, uh, <laughs> pixelated internet uh, trying to make this work, but – where I was in January 2018, cut from a job, a full-time job, kicked out of a plane. You know, I don't, I'm, I don't give myself too credit, too much credit here. It just, it was just a decision of this is tough, but I, I could go back. I knew I, I wouldn't get my same job, but I could go to the same companies I worked with, and I could have applied for jobs. I could have been a security director somewhere, a training coordinator, HR, something in that security field. And would have done so with no shame, 
uh, a sense of uh, uh, pride and that I got to take care of myself. And, and, and I think that's important. I'm, I'm a belief, I'm a believer in go take care of yourself, handle your business, handle your business is what me and my friend Paul always say to each other. Um, and aren't we cool? Um, but I knew, I knew in this particular case I had a power through and I emerged through a, tw- a tough 2018 and a large of it, large part of it is in, uh, thanks to the people listening to me right now in this private stream. Uh, my Tamor, uh, my Tamor, Alice, Pete, uh, uh, Lauren, John Mariano, uh, old handsaw scribbler, everyone here. Uh, everyone here and more, Kyle Harlow, all these people, Tim Van Newland, who, who rallied around me and some others post-Collider, and, and, and I just said, I'm going to power through. I had to live off credit cards, and I don't recommend that, but I did it, and now I've gotten on the other side of that, and I got to, you know, I'm not on solid ground, but that's the thing, you'll, I don't think you'll ever be on solid ground. Nothing's on solid ground. The job I had, the security director job, the one, the job I turned down yeah, I've told the story before, but the job I turned down, the $30,000 a year more job, I would have lost in three months because we lost the contract. Nothing's on solid ground. Uh, life is not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. Go out and take, take it as best you can, as honorably as you can. Treat others right. So, Tamor, uh, I don't know if that works directly for you, but I know you're strong. Look at your photo, man. Your photo's just amazing. So uh, that itself says you, you project an aura of uh, success, and I think um, you're going to succeed no matter what you do and no matter what you power through. And he says, in the end, uh, much love to you, uh, Grace, Ratsy, and Baxter, and the family here. Thanks, you. Uh, look at Tamor. This is thanks for sharing with that photo. The Buddha family, great family there. Final question from the prepared questions. Uh, this is from our friend Old Handsaw, who is in the chat room right now. Is uh, I got a name, finishing his probably fifth uh, fifth uh, uh, bowl of Frosted Flakes. He says, have you ever mail ordered? Oh, anything that was advertised in a comic book. I should have finished that sentence. Uh, in the era of five to six week delivery times, I've ordered 100 durable but, but very thin plastic toy soldiers, a pair of x-ray goggles, and a Han Solo blaster. Totally worth it. If you have, did it live up to the expectations? Hot damn, this is a great question to close out on, old hands on. See, I used to get those comic books, the G.I. Joe comics, but I used to get some of the older ones, Archie's and whatnot. Um, and um, I had a comic about, about Tom Landry, the Dallas Cowboy, a head coach back in the day. Just a comic book about his life. I, I, don't, I don't know where it is now, but I remember it. Uh, there was also a comic series called Nam, Vietnam. It was just Nam, really intense, pretty serious comic, but I had that. And in the back, these comics back in the day, not so much now. But back in the day, they just said, you know, order some, you know, seahorses, uh, submarine. If you, you know, watch, um, uh, 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 you know, uh, Get a Life, the best TV show of all time when, when Chris Elliott orders a submarine finally. Uh, there's that. Um, but I'm trying to, I don't know if I specifically ordered anything from there. But that wasn't the era. I did order a lot of mail away G.I. Joe figures. And things like that. And so the one, the one I do remember, there's a G.I. Joe vehicle, meaning it was on the Joe's side. It wasn't on the Cobra side. And mostly I, can, I collected uh, Cobra vehicles. They're just cooler. Bad guys have cooler stuff. Same in Star Wars. It's a weird thing. Uh, and I ordered a G.I. Joe uh, wind sailor. A little surfboard with a little, you know, uh, uh, you know, mast on it, 
and had like while you were surfing had a little side side board that could launch a rocket. <laughs> sure, that would work fine. And I remember I saved up and I was going to order it. And I think you got to send in some proof of purchases or something weird too. And I sent it in and I, and, and old hand saw the most important thing I got from your question here is the five to six weeks waiting period. Do you know, like right now we're ending January. I've already got things booked into July into 2020. The year's done. The year's done. It's insane. But as a child, Ordering the G.I. Joe hang glider in the Paris. I ordered the Cobra hang glider, too, I think. Or at least I got it. But ordering the, the little parasail set and having to wait five to six weeks? Holy crap. It was like, it was the summer. And every day, go to the mom's. Mom's there. Mom's there. Mom's there. And finally get it. And pull it out. Set it all up. Put, like, stalker. I had wet. I had a wetsuit. I'd put him on. I think I'd, I don't think I had Duke I'd, again. I had more Cobras than Joes. I'd put him on. I had Mainframe. Gold, Mainframe was a great GI Joe character because he was a middle-aged computer tech who joined up to fight Cobra. You need those guys. Did it live up to expectations? You betcha it did. I mean, the toy itself was cheap. Of all the GI Joe vehicles, it was the worst. It was the silliest. A, 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 a surfboard with a rocket on it. But I'll tell you what, that five to six weeks, the anticipation built up. It grew. And when it finally was there, my heart burst with joy. One of the greatest moments of my life. Old handsaw. Thanks for asking that question. All right. We're going to take... Some live calls, uh, live uh, will calls. Uh, we can do that too. If anyone out there has the number, uh, those that have it, uh, it's a Patreon level. You can get to it. Uh, go ahead and uh, give us a ring. Give us a ring. Um, we're going to check back in with some of the chats. Like Jack Colson's uh, rando question, favorite whiskey or scotch that's not super pricey. Uh, Tullamore. I like Tullamore Dew. Uh, I do like I do like Bushmills Jameson's all right. I, I, I'm switching a lot, uh, a lot to... to um, uh, switching a lot to, um, oh, here we go. Call coming in. Switching a lot to rum a lot lately. So doing some captain. All right, let's go. I think we got calling in right now. We got Tamor on the line. What's up, Tamor? Hey, Ken, how you doing? I'm good, Tamor. Hey, what's up, my friend? It's always great to hear from you. What's on your mind today here on TNFN session? So, um, I went to the, uh, MTS event in new york uh, over the weekend okay and that's uh, movie trivia with our old uh, yeah movie trivia schmodown for those watching mts is for the cool yeah. kids <laughs> okay i uh, met up with our old uh, pal um old uh, ed, ed haskell yeah and uh, uh he because uh, i watched the um impromptu live stream that you had about about a week ago and uh you mentioned something that you had at the Smith and I was just wondering what it was. It was like, oh yeah. Uh, Cause I, I do remember you meeting you that night, me and Abdul, when we came through and you actually were eating something, but you were finishing it up. But so we didn't know what it was. We were like, yeah. we were just, we were always wondering like, what, what was he eating? Yeah. That was so yeah. good. Eddie, Eddie will remember what exactly it was, but there was one, but how I got there after the uh, comedy show, uh, we go, it's crowded, a lot of people there, uh, Ellis's family, Uncle Steve, everyone's there. And I get, I sit down, and I think I'm sitting across from some of like Christian's friends, Harloff's friends that I don't really know. Mm-hmm. And yep. and there's like a plate of 
chips, like those kind of burnt, crunchy bar chips that are great. But they're sitting on something. I'm like, what? And they're like, oh, you got to try this. And it is like, the I don't even know what it's, it's like. It was like cheese, chives, sour cream, but not. It was thicker. It was like a cheesy, chivey paste. I don't, Eddie will have to tell you, but I'll, I got it. It was amazing. I dream about it. I dream about that. Wow. And I was so bummed I couldn't go back uh, to the Smith this year uh, uh, for the Schmodown. But maybe next year, or maybe I'll just fly out. So you have to, it's at, it's at the Smith, and there's a lot of Smith locations. So I'll have to go check it out on yeah. the menu. Was there, was there anything else that you liked on the menu? Because I, I plan on uh, making a visit with Ed and Abdul, like, we're, we're like I, uh, and John. I don't remember. You know, meet up. I don't remember what I had, Tamor, because you kept uh, sliding drinks across the bar to me. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. All right. Thanks for checking in. Uh, and you're going to power through, man. And you're going to call us uh, on the other side of the success you're about to achieve with your job, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Ken. All right, Tamor calling in there. Uh, we'll go back to the chat here for lots of questions. This is what we do here on TNF in session. So if you got some live uh, questions, uh, you just post them in chat. My uh, Hopefully uh, my stream yard will catch up to those as well. Uh, yeah, Alice, Alice is in there talking about a uh, dream about it. Yeah, I, I dream about food sometimes. I, I legitimately do. I legitimately do. There's a pudding I had recently that I absolutely, absolutely at a bar nearby here. Absolutely dreaming about it. Me, Mark Ellis, and Christian Ruvacalba went out for some drinks and some pizza, but I had already eaten dinner, so I had dessert. I ordered this. It was it was chocolate pudding chili with whipped cream. The chili, I don't know why that word was in there, but I had it, and it, I, I woke up the next morning dreaming about it, and uh, Copster said I looked like a, in another world. Excuse me, Christian Ruvacalba said I looked like in another, I was like in another world while I was eating it, and that was the best compliment anyone has Paid to me. Uh, so we got Alice uh, checking back in. Said, hey, did I watch Picard, a new uh, CBS All Access series? I did not. I like the character of Picard. I love Patrick Stewart. But I got to tell you, like, I'm not a huge Star Trek fan. Uh, it's not a Star Wars versus Star Trek thing. I got into, I did get into uh, Next Generation, but uh, not a lot. I do like a lot of the movies. I like Star Trek Six, Star Trek Four. I like Star Trek Eight a lot. Um I love the J.J. Abrams uh, reboot one, the second one, eh, Into Darkness, so much. And I, had, I never saw, I didn't see the third one, the uh, Beastie Boys one. Um, so I didn't watch Picard, but I so love Patrick Stewart that I, if I had CBS All Access, I'd be there, or if I find another way to watch it. So hopefully that answers your question, Alice. Hope. I hope it does. I hope it does. I got a name, says, uh, thanks for the memory again. Yeah, yeah, thinking about uh, five to six weeks. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to see if I got some other questions here as I slide back up. If anyone wants to call oh, Alice, going back to Alice, she says, uh, I learned guitar in my mid forties. So there you go. There you go. That's a, that's important. Uh, Kyle says uh, this Kyle Harlow. Uh, uh, was it, what was it like interviewing Carrie Fisher? Uh, I had the chance to interview Carrie Fisher, uh, unfortunately, a couple more before she passed away uh, back in August of 2016. One of the last things I kind of did officially for uh, Screen Junkies, did it at Wizard World Chicago, which is really over at the Rosemont uh, kind of Civic Center area. And uh, me and another guy got to interview her. Uh, there's footage of it out there. Um, and it was crazy. It was it was one of the greatest experiences of my life because it's Princess Leia. It's Carrie Fisher. 
Um, she is everything you'd want her to be. Uh, I was so nervous, shaken. She brought her dog, Gary, got to feed Gary on stage. And I wish I had another chance to do it again because I would have been better the second time around and hopefully would have, maybe would have had a chance to do it by myself. But uh, the, the best part was taking the questions from the audience. And, and a lot of people just weren't asking about Star Wars. They're asking about life. They're asking about her uh, very open and public struggles with bipolar disorder or depression, addiction. I think that's part of her legacy. She, Carrie made a lot of mistakes. And in the end, it might have affected her life, might have might have taken her life. That might have been the cost of some of the, the, the life she'd led. But she never shied away from that. And it became a beacon of hope for people that are going through a lot of different things. It wasn't just one thing with Carrie. You know, it wasn't like she just drank a lot of alcohol. Or something. She had a lot of things going on. Um, and, and including, you know, father issues she was always joking about. She even joked about it in the interview. So to watch her kind of deliver, deliver that message to the public and to watch not just guys like me, old guys with beards sitting there like, hey, Princess Leia, but just like young girls uh, suffering some of the same problems, uh, bipolar and all that kind of stuff. Um, she just, I think in the last few years, became this elder stateswoman for a lot of those causes. And we miss her. We need her. Uh, she would have had a lot of fun with people attacking Last Jedi or Kelly Marie Tran. She would have not taken the, any of the crap. And that, that was a loss, too, outside of the movies. That was a loss. So it was fun, Kyle. Great question. Uh, my favorite moment in the interview, other than feeding Gary the dog, got to do that. I, I've, I've talked about this elsewhere, but at one point I'm talking to her, asking a question. She takes off her glasses. She had little, you know, uh, glasses on. She took them off and she looked right at me. And, you know, she was older and, you know, we all get older. Our body changes, how we look kind of changes. And, you know, she was older. But her eyes, your eyes are your eyes. And I found myself suddenly staring into the eyes of Hoth Leia, my favorite Leia. And I was lost. I blanked out. I, I just like, uh, and she's, you know, staring back, waiting for my question. And I'm just like, uh, and it was just a surreal, wonderful experience to to get to see her in person. Um, so that's awesome. Speaking of star Wars, Lauren Romo's got a question. Um, and she actually, Lauren's got that. She follows up with the Carrie thing. She's a true model, mo role model for all women, especially the female star Wars fan. She was indeed. Lauren's got this question about project luminous is the date of two twenty four, two thousand twenty. 2020. My thoughts, my assumption is set up the future of star Wars movies. Uh, so yeah, Hey, we talked a lot about this over on force center. So if you're a star Wars fan, pop over there. Project luminous was put out there as a new star Wars, um, storytelling uh, collection of stories and games uh, a while ago. It was a publishing event, meaning mostly books and comics. Uh, it's rumors are that it's now gone beyond just publishing, that it's going to be kind of the next set of movies. I did not hear that years ago. Uh, or, well, yeah, actually I heard about project Loomis last year. Uh, I heard what it was, the high Republic era. Um, but I did not hear anything about it being movies that could have changed and it could be the movies. I'm interested by it. Um, but I definitely know it's a publishing event, but we'll know, we'll know two twenty four twenty. There's a lot of great authors working on it there. So Jack Cole says, what two sports would you combine while adding a fantasy sci-fi twist to add our event, for the star Wars universe? Oh, this is great. Uh, I, I thought, I think, uh, I would, I would like um, some sort of tennis with the rackets having like lightsaber blades on them, but they, you know, so you're blocking things. So you have to like block, you have to, instead of a tennis ball, it's like a laser bolt. You miss, you might die. You might die. Pod racing though is great. I mean, pod racing is great. I still want 
a 30 for 30 style Disney Plus documentary on the Boot to Eve classic. You know, that's kind of what I want. Just treat it so seriously and everything. I think that'd be great. Be a lot of fun. Great question. Great question, Jack. Uh, I got a name says, uh, Carrie thought I was Dave Filoni. True story. Star Wars Celebration 2020, one of the final days. I'm walking back. I think literally, I think this is a lot. I'm walking off the floor with like Dagnino and some folks. Uh, Joseph had already flown out at this point. Ellis might have been there, but was walking ahead. And yeah, I think I think Ellis was there. We're head. I mean, literally, it's my final steps out of the convention center. And um, this. Someone's taking a picture of someone else, and all of a sudden they look at me and they're like, "Hey, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, don't leave! Can we get a, can we get a shot? Can we get a picture with you?" You know, and I'm like, "Okay." Like every once in a while, we get stopped for schmodown or Jedi Council or Force Center. You know, I'm like, "Okay, you'll be taking a shot," and they're like more thrilled than anyone's been to take a photo with me. And they're both, it's like a husband and wife, and they're both like, congratulations, congratulations. Now, you know, I had announced that, uh, you know, recently my my um, my book, Why We Love Star Wars, was, you know, announced to come out. So I thought, okay, in my head, I'm like, maybe maybe they're, maybe they're happy about that. Maybe they really want to read my book. How sweet. And they were like, wow. And to, and to be working with Jon Favreau, oh, my God, and have the Clone Wars back, you must be so excited. They thought... I was Dave Filoni, creator of Star Wars Rebels, Clone Wars Mastermind. They thought they thought it was me. And I get confused a lot. And I had that moment. Do I tell them? Now, I don't want to pretend to be Dave, but do I tell them? So the husband grabs his uh, camera and, and the wife... Uh, uh, Gets next to me, and I you know, put my arm, hover around her shoulder. And I think to myself, nah, let's just let them have this moment. <laughs> so I'm still, I never, they, they must have figured it out. And they must have, uh, you know, maybe they posted the picture somewhere. I was waiting for, I was waiting to be tagged in a photo. I was waiting to be tagged in a photo online of someone like, that's not Dave Filoni, that's this guy. Never happened, never happened. Uh, phone lines are still open if anyone wants to try to call in, but you don't have to here. A few more minutes left in the stream. We've got some great stuff. Yeah, Django's got a mango says, you aren't Dave. And also Django says, stream looks a little better right now. That's great. All right. Yeah, it's, it's definitely okay. Look a little bit, a little better. Um, disappointed that uh, my uh, stream is, uh, is um, not working as much today. Yeah, the uh, Pete Rich, you're right. The no cowboy hat would have been a dead giveaway, but I do... You know, I have my old Tex Tunney cowboy hat from my MPW wrestling days. If I had that on right now with a great beard, I think it'd be easier to say, hey, that's Dave Filoni. You know, uh, Lauren Roma says, uh, where's Brian Ward when you need him? Oh, uh, Alice says, I'm out. Uh, Brian, Lauren, where's Brian Ward when you need him? Uh, we need a, a cowboy hat photo of me now. Yeah, we'll have to have uh, Brian Ward put one together. Brian Ward doing so, uh, so great, doing uh, uh, all the graphics, all the branding for a lot of shows. A lot of uh, us uh, go to him. Uh, Force Center was actually, I think, one of the first ones. I think we used him. We found Brian Ward through. He was sending us artwork he was doing to the Force Center crew, me, Joseph, and Jennifer, and he's doing an animated version of our show, Databank Brawl. And we started using him. We used him for the Force Center logo, the main logo. Uh, 
The first Force Center logo was actually created by Leanne Le Couture, Le Couture from the old Schmoville, uh, the Photoshop queen, as she was called back in the day. She created the uh, created that one. Um, oh, well, oh, look at this. Chris Jones says, uh, Beanie next time. Beanie. Well, I got, I got uh, for you, Chris, I got the beanie right here. Let's put it over the headphones. I've been wearing this beanie as we start to close. I got this beanie as a gift in Arizona because it was cold. It was snowing out there. And uh, I just, I've said, I said this on the afternoons with uh, Josh, Amanda, myself. I just always wanted a beanie. I just always wanted a beanie, but I was never brave enough to. I want to look like Edge in the Numb video. And now I have it and I wear it everywhere. I don't know if it's the right call. I'm not going to say it's a f- great fashion look for me, you know? But I like it. I like it. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just making me, it's making me feel real comfortable. It's just so, I don't feel it on my head and it's so soft. It's so soft. We we all need soft things in our head, right? I think so. Uh, bringing up something up here. Excuse me while I, uh, type away, uh, and talking to y'all. This has been a lot of fun. This is what we do, uh, about every month here on the Knapsack Files. We do the, uh, Knapsack Files in session, uh, live recording, uh, then uh, sent out into the world after for everyone else, but a live, uh, live recording with uh, uh, my special Patreon people. Oh, by the way, so Alice says this. We are uh, proud of Ratsy. <laughs> uh, Alice also says uh, it's like hair. Yeah, beanie. No, Alice, the beanie's helping me accept uh, how bald I am. It does, uh, it does make me feel. And I'll, put it, I'll put it over the uh, headphones again. Jack's got to go. Uh, yeah, uh, I do have the trading cards. You can get the Knapsack Files trading cards designed by Brian Ward. And that show, a photo of Tex Tunney from my wrestling days is from a photographer named Scott Harvey. Uh, so if you want to see me in a cowboy hat, and I, I did send those out. Uh, comfort convenience class, says Chris Jones there. Uh, we are almost out of here, but as we always do, want to shout out my high-tier uh, Patreon supporters. These are the executive producers uh, at the top of uh, the list. It's uh, Thomas Rizling, uh, Lethal, Logan X, who I have wrestled in a ring as text, honey. Bador, Kyle Harlow, Matt Thompson, Taymor and his brothers Abdul and Rafay, the brothers Buddha, Donald Long, Nathan Ovendale, Zach Anderson, my friend Ty Schellenberger, Lilomi, and Chad Benfield. Uh, these are the executive producers. They got a lot of uh, great producers uh, and uh, associate producers, supporters. You can go to Ken Napsock's Patreon page at patreon.com slash Ken Napsock and support uh, things there. You can get my book, Why We Love Star Wars, available in German. Available in German. Who doesn't like to read books in German? Actually, I have a copy. I finally got a copy. It was really cool to see my Star Wars words translated into German. Uh, it was uh, fun indeed. So the audiobook is out there as well. Uh, we did uh, announce this. Uh, it's kind of unofficially been announced. It's been officially announced through Mark Ellis uh, at markellislive.net, but I don't know if I'm confirmed 100% yet. But March 6th, if you're in the Las Vegas area and want to see some comedy, maybe keep that night free. Viva Las Vegas. It's going to be a lot of fun if I don't lose all my money on those Game of Thrones slots. We've been doing a lot of uh, supporting of uh, different uh, chari- uh, chari- uh, charity works and events. Our friend Jeff Saunders Scribbler uh, is in doing some work in support of the St. Baldrick's Foundation. Uh, we 
did an interview this past Saturday. You can go catch that episode of Saturday Night Special in the Knapsack Files. Uh, it is uh, very important for uh, research for child cancer. Uh, we are supporting that, and I'll be part of the Movie Trivia Face-Off charity event for that very soon. Our friend Zachary... Um, uh, um, or, or, oh, Tommy, no, Tommy, uh, <laughs> Tommy, sorry, uh, Tommy, you might be in there as well, too. I got to update my list that I'm reading off of. Um, sorry, housekeeping, housekeeping. Uh, our friend Zachary Bassinger, he's uh, fighting cancer in his own life. Uh, he's got a GoFundMe page. Go to GoFundMe.com slash F slash uh, Zachary Bassinger, or just look it up. I got links in the podcast descriptions. Uh, I've gotten to know him. Uh, just He had just said some nice things about Force Center and what it meant uh, to listen to the podcast while he's going through chemo. And I ended up just reaching out to him and chatting, and he's such a good guy, going through a lot. So we're supporting that here as well still at the Knapsack Files. Um, it's been a lot of fun, man. You guys out there in uh, chat Ville, making this show possible. I, I like these small, intimate audiences so we can put together just an actual show and then send it out to the world as a podcast and a video later. But I'll be doing some more uh, public Q&As, live streams, um, Knapsack Files, maybe some afternoons, some Force Center. We're working on that too, kind of separate, but we're doing that. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll work on the stream uh, uh, strength. If you, if you powered through on YouTube later through the pixelated days, it got a little better here at the end. You, you just don't know. It's windy day here in Burbank. Uh, the it's a windy day in Burbank and, uh, sometimes my internet just gets blown all over the place. Such is life, such is life. So, uh, that is it. We are almost out of here. Uh, thank you everyone listening later, watching now. This is the Knapsack Files. I'm Ken Knapsack and you are all downright amazing. We'll see you next time. Bye.